Thanks, Anna. I just love being part of this community. Just sensing the warmth of our Lord who wants to care for us, tend us, and then fling us out into the world to bring the same good news that we've received. This is just the normal. It's the breathing in and breathing out, breathing in and breathing out. And if you feel like, man, today all I can do is breathe in, well, then just do that. Because the Lord wants to do that in you because he will fling you out when you're ready. And sometimes some of us have been running and gunning. It's time to, and there's other of us, the Lord just wants to say, yes, get on that roller coaster. You're like, are you serious? Yes, this is going to be so fun. Love to do this with you guys. Well, speaking of which, we've been talking about this idea of what life do I want? And philosophers for about 3,000 years have been trying to define the main question is what is the good life? And who is well off? And, and what is a truly good person? And how do I become that person? And that's kind of the philosophical questions. And the way we've been talking about is what life do I want? And then behind, behind that, when I say I want this in my life, I want this and this and this and this, it gets kind of complicated. Is there a central place? Is there one central desire that pulls together and organizes what the longing of my heart is? You know, even in, in our uh, early documents of the U.S., we talk about the pursuit of happiness as being something basic to the human condition, and it's true, that we desire a flourishing life. But we've talked about over the last several weeks that the question is really, who do I really want? If the Scripture's true, then, then it, it's that I want Jesus. Jesus himself is the organizing desire place. It's, he's the articulation. Hebrews 1.3 says in the past, God spoke through all these prophets, but now he has spoken to us. Through his son. His word is Jesus. And in Jesus we see the fullness and the centrality in the, the, the intensity of our desire for the good. And that only Jesus can give a life that matches his character, his being. And so last week we talked about this to say another way to say Jesus and the life only Jesus gives is to say God in his kingdom. Kingdom is, is, is the idea of God being in charge and ordering all of creation the way he meant it to be. So not just things I like, but just the way things work in the world. Donna Branch mentioned chaos. I don't know, man, did you get touched when Donna mentioned that? I was like, whew. Thank you, Lord, for the chaos you've addressed in her life, and thank you for the chaos you're addressing in my life right now. It's God ordering it through Jesus Christ in our lives. And, and so we're going to spend a few uh, Sundays, more than a few Sundays, looking at God and his kingdom. And the way we're going to do that is, again, we're still asking this question, is what is the life that I want? What do I really want? And we're going to look at the, le- the life of Jesus because Jesus' life demonstrates the life I want. It demonstrates this ordered kingdom life. Some people have thought that the Gospels, it, like, well, I don't know why they had all that early stuff because don't we just get to the cross and resurrection? It's like this really long prelude, and that's not true. 
God knew exactly what he was trying to do, why he showed so much of Jesus' life. He's showing us what it looks like to live a kingdom life, a life we're made for, we're most ourselves. Again, uh, Romans 8, 29, uh, in the message, the last part of that verse says, the son, Jesus, stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. What's my life at its best? It's you looking like Jesus. It's as Jesus as if he lived your life. That's your life at its best. So, we're going to look through the Gospel of Mark. What's interesting about the Gospel of Mark is... It's the shortest of all of them, just 16 chapters. He uses the word immediately all the time. He's in a hurry. Reminds me of my wife. She's like, let's get this on. Let's get this moving. Um, And he starts, this is the first verse of his whole writing. This is the beginning of the good news, of the gospel. Which, by the way, good news, gospel, was an announcement it was well known like in the Roman Empire that when the, the emperor had done something good, like he won a battle, or there's a new emperor, they would send a gospel throughout the whole empire. We have a gospel, a euangelion, a good news we want to tell you. And here, Mark is saying, Jesus, the Messiah, i.e. King. Christ, Christos. That this is the Hebrew version of Christos. Did you know every time you see Christ, you can just say the word king, anointed one, king. He's the king, Jesus king, the son of God. And what's interesting is most scholars believe that likely this gospel was written while in Rome. Which Rome wasn't a great place to be, to be a Christian in the early first century. In fact, these, guys, these Christian guys are weird. Let's just get rid of them. And so he's writing to other Christians who are facing persecution. And he's trying to encourage them saying, no, Jesus is the king. Jesus is Caesar. Doesn't feel like it right now, but you can trust Jesus is in charge. So he starts with this. And so this is today's passage we're going to look at. If you're wondering why we started here, it's because we're actually following uh, the lectionary readings that are just based on Jesus', Jesus life. So there's literally millions of people reading this today. Isn't that cool? Isn't that fun? Just based on the life of Jesus. So we're just going to look at this little story and just make some comments of what we can see about the kingdom life. And so, Lord Jesus, only you can bring us into this. Lord, we didn't come here to, to exchange ideas or have, a, have a, a belief club or something like that. Lord, if this isn't true, then we might as well go home and watch football right now. But I happen to believe that I've met you and that we, we've met you. And if we, uh, even today, as we've sung your name, that your presence, you promised you'd be with us. So will you, Jesus, demonstrate your presence and power in ways that no human could make up? Only because you're here, it happens. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus and his buddies, they went into Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and began to teach. And they were amazed at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Just then there was a man in their synagogue with an unclean spirit. And he cried out saying, 
What business do you have with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. After throwing him into convulsions and crying out with a loud voice, the unclean spirit came out of him. And they were all amazed. So they debated among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Immediately the news about him spread everywhere into all the surrounding region of Galilee. So something I want to note in this passage is this word authority. Is at the beginning of the passage, the people were amazed at his teaching. He was teaching as one having authority. And by the end of this teaching, they say the same thing. There's this teaching with authority, with power. He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. Mark, as I said, up to this point, because we're only about, well, we're only 20 verses into the whole gospel of Mark. The whole point leading up to this story is Mark has been making the point that Jesus is the king. This is the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Then this prophet John comes out saying, there's one coming after me who's mightier than I. He'll baptize you in the Holy Spirit. Then Jesus is baptized. He comes up out of the water. The heavens split open. The Holy Spirit, like a dove, descends upon him. And a voice comes from the heavens that says, you're my beloved son, and you I'm well pleased. Mark's thinking that's important to include, to say maybe Jesus is a different guy than you thought. He's the king. And then the spirit takes him into the wilderness. And Jesus is in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by Satan, but then is victorious. He leaves and comes back out. And when he comes back out, Jesus comes and he's preaching the gospel of God saying, guess what? The time is fulfilled. I'm here. I'm here. The kingdom of God is right at hand. Repent. Change your mind. Turn from believing someone else is the king and believe in this gospel. I'm the king. And then Jesus starts recruiting his guys. And then we have this story that shows this authority of a king. That when he was teaching, he commands even unclean spirits. And they obey him. So not only is the sense that he was teaching as one having authority, he's demonstrating authority. Okay. So here's what I want to notice about God in his kingdom. What does the kingdom life look like? And this is is the phrase I want to summarize our passage with, what what the good life is. What the life ordered in Jesus' order looks like it looks like good news with authority and power good news with authority and power in other words jesus is articulating with his mouth the gospel the good news but it's also demonstrated with authority and power everybody follow me on that so so okay well how does jesus do this Philippians 2 is a really, really important passage because in it, Paul's talking about the decision that Jesus made as he became one of us, as he became human. He says, he gave up all of his rights as deity. He limited himself 
in the very same limitations you and I have. Everything, but he never sinned. So we want to look at Jesus' life because he demonstrates to us what it might look for, like for us to live the kingdom life. So the first thing we see is that Jesus is baptized. And at Jesus' baptism, the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, the very Spirit that we know started things in Genesis 1-1, hovering over creation, comes on Jesus. And then at his baptism, Jesus receives identity. Both to him and to everyone around him. He says, this is my son whom I love. I'm delighted in my son. But then Jesus goes straight into testing. The, the, the word in the Greek uh, that talks about going to the temptation can be translated either temptation or testing. I think testing kind of gets the force of what Jesus was experiencing a little bit cleaner. And there he learned obedience. He learned to do what the Father told him to do. And his identity was solidified. Because we can see in other accounts of the temptation narrative, Satan says to him over and over again, if you're the Son of God. God had just said, you're the Son of God. You're my Son. And then Satan says, well, if you are, really, you'll do what I say. Jesus is well differentiated. Thank you, Jesus. And then Jesus proclaims the good news right out of the bat. You see his authority in his proclamation of the good news and his power in driving out unclean spirits. So all I've done is just kind of giving you a little outline of the verses that are leading up to this passage. It's not like great insight I'm giving you. It's just the words that are there. So the question then would be, how does this work for us? If we're wanting to live the Jesus life, How does this work for us? Well, we start with baptism. We start with this act where we receive the Spirit by our decision to submit our lives to King Jesus. The very first time that that the gospel was preached by the disciples was in Acts 2. Jesus had said, okay, wait in Jerusalem, and the Spirit's going to come on you, and you're going to be my witnesses. And so this is the message that Peter gives these guys. He's saying, Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, You need to respond to him. They say, what do we do? And here's Peter's response. He says, repent. Just like Jesus had said, the same kingdom gospel. Repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises for you and your children and for all who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. Jesus invites us to, like him at his baptism, receive the Holy Spirit. And here's what's fascinating and unbelievable. Paul says, all who were baptized in Christ, we've clothed ourselves with Christ. That literally the clothes we're wearing, the identity we're wearing is the son himself. That same spirit on him, the spirit that clothed him is the spirit that clothes us. And we can be baptized in this spirit, both at conversion and again and again. We see the guys who got baptized in the spirit at Acts 2 said, Jesus, things aren't going well. In Acts 4, he says, let me douse you with the spirit again. Shake the room. So, how do we do it? We have to be baptized and baptized in the Spirit. 
how to live the Jesus life is we have to receive identity. Just like Jesus had this proclamation at his baptism, we have this. For Paul says, we've not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but we've received a spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. See, Jesus, here's what's so beautiful. God's not saying, I want to give you my spirit because I have things to get done. I've got ministry I want you to do. No, he's saying, I'm giving you my spirit so that that spirit's impulse is to say, Dad, my father, I finally found home. I found where I belong, as the song says. As Dana said, what's next, Papa? The spirit cries out automatically, just, just impulsively. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. And here's unbelievable thing that we're clothed in Christ. We're, we're, we're of a new line now. We're no longer, Romans 5 says, we're no longer of the line of Adam. We are now of the line of Christ. We're in a new genetic structure. And, and, and Paul says, even when we were dead in our wrongdoings, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, we've been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Guys, this is a crazy thought. That Jesus rose from the dead and sat at the right hand of God and says, I'm in charge of everything, everywhere, all the time. And then as we put our faith in him, we get pulled into the same authority. The same identity. Seated with him. In heavenly places. This is, this is a, this is a identity, identity question. There are no, uh, under, under losers, less thans in the kingdom. You're seated with Christ. You're at the same, you're in him, the same authority level at the right hand of God. Okay. So we receive that same identity that Jesus received at his baptism. And then we go through testing. How do we live the Jesus life? We're tested. Just like Jesus is tested. We get tested to learn how to obey. Hebrews 2 said, Jesus learned obedience. Jesus, okay, Jesus learned obedience. Through the things he suffered. You don't have to obey. You don't have to learn how to obey when you already want to do it. Right? It's not hard. That's like burping, right? You know, there's not much involved. It just happens. I know there's some guy there, but can you burp on command like I can? Jesus said this. Here's a, here's a fascinating thought. Did Jesus do whatever he want? He didn't. He said, truly I say to you, the son can, can do, the son can do nothing of himself. We're talking ability. He can do nothing of himself unless it's something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in the same way. So when we see Jesus teaching, 
gospeling, good newsing with authority, it's because he sees his father doing it. It's not because he's got just a great idea. He's literally watching, what is my father doing? I'm going to do that. You know, there's miracles that Jesus didn't do. If you look at Acts 3, Peter, James, and John come up to a guy who's been at the gate of the temple for 40 years. He's still not healed. In other words, Jesus walked by this man Jesus' entire life. Why didn't Jesus heal him? I guess the father didn't tell him. But he did tell Peter, James, and John. It was, it was what father... Why? I don't know. Ask father. He knows what he's doing. Follow me? Okay. So Jesus tells us this crazy thing. I say to you, the one who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. Okay. Already hard to believe, right? Raising dead people, doing all this kind of stuff, right? And greater works than these he will do. Because I'm going to the Father. What? Are you serious, Jesus? Are you confused, Jesus? Do you have a low view of what you've been doing, Jesus? But here's the key. Three verses later, Jesus says this. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. The people who love me, obey me. In other words, we have to, through testing, learn to obey Jesus because then we walk in the Jesus life that has the authority and power. Does that make sense? God has no obligation to fund any efforts he didn't start. So also we see that there's something about testing that deepens and solidifies our identity. It deepens and solidifies our identity. Hebrews talks about it this way. It's for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? But if you're without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you're illegitimate children and not sons. Think about that for a second. We're not actually in our sonship, daughterhood, unless we receive the Lord's discipline. By the way, also, just a thought. we got the male language, sons here. Here's what's good about using that right now, is male or female, you have the same level of firstborn son. You hear me? Does that make sense? So we all have sonship in that legal sense. Furthermore, we all had earthly fathers to discipline us. We respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time. It seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. Holiness has been so co-opted. Holiness is about a blazingly beautiful life. A life that makes sense and it works and it's coherent with reality. We get to share in His character when we submit to His discipline in our lives. And we are clearly sons and daughters. I remember that a thing I used to be scared about is because I just met some people who had some really crazy beliefs and thought, how the heck did they get there? And how do I not? 
And, and what that can produce is a, is a crusty theologian who's just like, that's wrong, that's wrong, you're wrong too, you're wrong too, you're wrong too. I'm right, you're wrong, wrong. I have to be right because I'm going to be freaking out if I'm not right. And it was until I started to develop trust in my father that even if I swing wide on something, he's my dad, he'll bring me back. It's okay. If, I, if I'm screwing up, he loves me so much, he'll correct me. Isn't that wonderful? He, he, he's got a community around me that can say no to me, and they'll correct me if I'm wrong. So it's okay to be wrong. In fact, you, you could just not just chill out, man, and have an open hand, even with things I don't understand, because, because my father's good enough, he'll make things clear. But you see, the way I didn't get there was certainty by working so hard at getting it right. It was by trust in my father. It's deepening trust. Letting him discipline me. Letting him correct. Oh, Father, I want your correction. I love your, I love your discipline. I love your discipline. Thank you. Saved me a lot of hassle. So, baptism like Jesus, testing like Jesus, and then good newsing. Jesus gives us authority. Jesus, after he came up from the dead, okay, he, he, he beat death. That's a significant day. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's a statement. I mean, that, that, nobody says that except for like superheroes and cartoons, right? Like, to try to come up, at least the bad guys are always, always trying to do this, right? But Jesus is saying, certainly, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, because I have all authority, because I'm in charge of everything, because I'm the king and you're under my leadership, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, teaching them to follow all that I have commanded you, the good life. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That Jesus actually commissions us and authority comes in the gospeling, in the good newsing. That the authority actually comes in it. And here's the beautiful thing that he also promised there would be power. As we give the good news, as we as we embody the good news, we have power. Jesus said, you'll receive to his disciples before the Spirit came. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. For what? And you shall be my witnesses. All over the planet. All over the place where I have authority. Everywhere you go, I have authority. So take the authority I've given you and the power in the Spirit and go give this good news, this gospel. There's a new king in town. His name is Jesus. But we don't just say it. Paul said it this way. My preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Why? Because the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's, it's, it's not in name only. It's not who has the best ideas. Or, or it's not even, it's not a competing narrative among other worldviews 
options. It doesn't compete with anything. It's all or nothing. Jesus is in charge of everything. And here's the idea. It's not because it's the best idea. Watch what he does. Watch what he does. Well, I, I, every Sunday I see this. I know the stories of so many people in this room. And I look at miracles every Sunday morning. And I say, how is it possible this person is worshiping the Lord with dignity? Their head's not bowed low. I know what's been done to them. But look at them. They're worshiping God and know I'm a son. I'm a daughter. The authority of my king is demonstrated right in front of me. So God and his kingdom, what does the kingdom life look like? In today's story, we see that it's good news with authority and power. I, I, I didn't say, you know, it says the actual text is teaching with authority and power. I just felt like that would be too narrow to just say, because I was like, I'm not a teacher. I'm not going to teach people. The, Jesus teach, taught by his being, his words, but this life was an example. It, it, it was this, this, this full-bodied thing that everyone you're around, you are actually teaching. And here's what the good life in Jesus, you always have good news to share. Isn't that fantastic? The normal disposition is you have good news. You're, you're not another cynic. You're not the other one just agreeing with how terrible the world is. Jesus knows the world is a disaster. It's a mess all the time. And Jesus' message is I have good news. I have good news. I carry good news. And it's not just because my ideas are better than yours. Is I have authority and power. Not to do, to make you do something, but it's to come under you and say... You're tormented by a demon. I know the guy who can free you. See, that, 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 that's, that's the joy of seeing the demonic in, with people is the immediate. What, what it does for me now is to say immediate compassion. Oh, that person, does, you, don't, you don't have to deal with that. Jesus will free you, I promise you. If you'll come under his authority, he will free you. You don't have to be tormented anymore. So, how do we live this out? Well, we saw in Jesus' life, it was his baptism with the Spirit's presence that gives him identity. Testing, that he learns obedience. He learns how to hear what his father's saying and only does that. And he enjoys his father's correction in case he's heading down the wrong road because he, he, he knows, oh, my dad's going to take care of me. Even not, I'm not sure what I'm going to do. It's okay. Father's got me. Some of us get nervous. Can I hear God? You can. He's just not talking yet. Sit still. You know what I'm saying? He's like, oh, I got to know. Sit still. Look up the word waiting in the Bible. See how often it is in there. It's there all over the place. So we do the same. We, we, well, there's a question. What do we do now? We do the very same things Jesus did. If you haven't been baptized in water, uh, I invite you. If you've made Jesus the boss of your life, he wants to, to marry you. He wants to marry you. 
Can you, can you be in the kingdom without the water baptism? It appears from Scripture you can, but it's the exception rather than the rule. That Jesus likes these, these moments where we publicly just say, we're in love, and you're in charge, and we're in each other. And I get to declare that to myself, to my brothers and sisters who are going to help me. And all the principalities and powers, Ephesians 3.10 says that the manifold wisdom of God is being displayed to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly realms. God's doing His work of saying, look how powerful I am through us. He does it through us. He does it through us. So be baptized, water baptized. If you, if you are like, well, I did that, or I, I just don't know if the Holy Spirit thing is, is something I'm experiencing, I'm going to invite you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, to be immersed in the Spirit. He wants to give you more, and then when you think you don't have enough, He wants to give you more, and when you have too much, He wants to give you more. So that our lives are literally, as Paul said, walking in the Spirit. There's an inness that, that my reality, I'm actually wired into kingdom reality, which is true reality, that says, this is what I see when I see this person. This is what I see when I see me. This is what I see when I see chaos and a problem. I see it through the Spirit's empowerment and eyes. If you're wondering about your identity, if I'm all alone, it was so cool before this service, I was praying, um, because whenever you talk about demons getting cast out, weird things end up happening on the way there because <laughs> they get nervous. Uh, demons are terrified you l- l- do figure out your identity, right? They're completely terrified. Um, so we had some weird stuff happening. And, and so I, I was just praying, Lord, will you just be our hiding place? You're our safe spot. You're the one who delivers us. And then uh, my sister Elena came up. She said, I was just feeling this thing from the Lord that we should pray that he's our hiding place. You know, he's our safe spot. He's our safe place to be. I was like, yes, that is correct. I believe you. I'm down with you. Let's do this. Sozo prayer would be a good thing for you to sign up for. If you're like, man, I struggle with this sense of the Father's affection for me or a connection to Jesus or the Holy Spirit. Sozo prayer is just, is just something you can sign up or you can do it right now on your phone. Where you walk through some of these issues where just let, listen, Lord, what lies am I believing about you or me? And would you free me from that? And what's the truth? And he will blow your face off with how beautiful and loving he is to you. He says better things than you can make up. I've done this stuff. I, I, I go to Sozo prayers. I, I get to do healing prayers. I, I just bring it, Lord. Bring it. If you're in a place of testing, James says, rejoice. Like, oh, great, jerk. <laughs> the normal interdisposition of the good life, the life that Jesus provides is one of hope. Why? Because even testing is, is, is fodder. It's, it's what he uses to deepen our identity and give us authority as we learn how to obey him. If you're being tested, you have not failed. God's not punishing you. He's treating you as a son. Or as a daughter, he's training you. He's training you. He said, surely God's not creating all these things. for No, God doesn't create evil in the world. We do just fine on our own. 
He needs no help. Or we need no help. But I find God will capitalize on any and every situation to do something even better than you expected. Let's say you've completely screwed up. Guess what? I'm a screw up. I have completely screwed up my life so many times. And that's exactly the good news. The gospel is only for screw ups. If you don't need help, you don't need the gospel. We'll see you later. Do something else. It's only for failures. Grace only comes to the humble. Why? Because the prideful don't need it. God can't give grace to pride because pride says I don't need help. That's why I want to run to help. The one thing I know I can present to you, God, is my need, my need, my need. I'm perfectly fitted to be needy with God. God will deepen your identity. You'll share things with Jesus that you can only share in difficult spaces. So I'm not going to make light of that. But I want to tell you, this is you're on the way to somewhere good. That's what God is doing. You're not camping here. Jesus despised the suffering on his way to the joy set before him with his union with his father. Good newsing. Here's something I noticed in the book of Acts. All kinds of miracles in the book of Acts. Everybody raise your hand if you agree. You see a lot of miracles in the book of Acts. How many of you know that almost all of them happen when the gospel is being preached? If you, you just go test me on this. Test, go through Acts and see... With the miracles, how many of them, there's no gospel proclamation? I don't know all the reasons why, other than actually the most important thing going on is the good news. It's the, and, and miracles are a symptom of the good news. They're, they're an outworking of the good news. Does that make sense? So, so it's like it, it comes along with this proclamation of good news. And so that's why stuff like with foundations, we're doing gospel conversations. Sometimes that means specifically creative ways to say the gospel. Other ways, it's to live a kingdom life in front of people. That you don't freak out when your boss passes you over. Why? Because I work for Jesus. I'm a kingdom life. I guess that's not my assignment today. I guess he's got other plans for me because he's given me authority and he's given me power, but it's, I guess, to do this thing that I'm already doing. Father, is that true? And he'll defend us if he needs to. And if not, we just walk the cross life. We, we, we imitate Jesus. Last thought I have about this authority and power piece. I was on a, a call on Monday with about, I don't know, Brian, on that 24-7 call, 30 people, 50 people, I don't know probably 50 people from all over the world and uh, just were communities all around the world. And, and a guy named Ian Nicholson, who's been a leader 24-7 for a long time, uh, started with a devotional. He'd just been in Egypt talking to a group of believers in Egypt that had been there a long time. And they're saying, like, this is, you know, in the past, this is like the worst place in the world to, to do missionary work because nothing's happening. But what's crazy is after years and years of prayer, and persistence in the last like around decade they've seen seven million Muslim background people come to faith in Jesus. Okay. You were in Egypt, weren't you, Yazi? Okay, all right. So 
And he said, you know, I start to wonder, are, are we any threat to darkness in my context? He was saying to himself, right? Because they get persecuted there. <laughs> Why? Because people are leaving one faith to meet Jesus. They're a threat. But, but Ian said, are, are we a threat? Or, or, or are we coexisting with darkness? There's a quote I was using. I'll just say it. I didn't want to, it looks so mean to put it on the, the screen. But uh, that one guy who's been studying modern day martyrs, he said, he said, I don't know. What if it's true that in countries where there's no persecution, it's not because they care about the gospel. It's just because the church is no threat. I don't know. I don't know. And that doesn't mean like our political establishment. No, it's just like there's a new king in town. His name is Jesus. And, and we're, we're interested in your politics, but it's, believe it or not, the, not the most important thing going on in this world. I already know the king. And his life looks like gospeling to people who everyone else thought was a complete waste of space. It's, 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 it's living a totally different life that when we talk about this good news, people get delivered from demons. And you might think it's not real. That's fine. When you're ready to get delivered from yours, we'll, we'll come your way. <laughs> it's true, man. It's just like a cold. It's not that big of a deal. The Lord, is, it's not a big deal. The Lord just delivers people. He does. It's His authority to make us free and make us like His Son. So, Lord, let us be a danger to darkness. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Right? Okay. Speaking of flesh and blood, you have a little communion cup there next to you. And we're going to worship our Lord Jesus. This has really always been the central act of Christian worship. And it's this, that Jesus, on the night before he was going to die, he took some bread. After a blessing, he broke it, gave it to them and said, guys, this is my body. It's my body being broken. It was referring back to, it's during the Passover feast. And it's the idea that he's this lamb that's going to be broken for them. And then he took a cup and gave them thanks and he gave it to them and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant. If you look back in Exodus, the way that God's covenant with his people was ratified is they sprinkled blood of the sacrificed animal on the actual covenant itself and on the ark. And that's how it made it official. He said, I'm making a new covenant. And it's with my blood. It's, it's, it's letting you be part of God's people. It's being poured out for many. I say to you, I won't drink the, the fruit of the vine again until that day when I drink it, new in the kingdom of God. So in this moment, what we do is, is we, we recognize that Jesus can inhabit anywhere and anytime, and he can even be with us and be a point of contact, if you will, in this bread, in this cup, where, where we reenact, we re-receive what he did for us in his body being broken for us, his blood being spilled for us, healing Deliverance out of darkness, forgiveness of sins, and being adopted into his family. So if, if you've never done it before, you've got to peel the top thing apart for the, for the bread part, and it's not really bread. 
just go with it, okay? We bought a lot of these, and we're trying to get rid of them, okay? Just, I'll be really honest with you, yeah. We're not going to do this forever. So let's raise this bread up. And I'm just going to pray. Jesus in faith, we need healing. We need wholeness. We need deliverance. We want identity. And I know that only you can give it to us. And that you took on our brokenness to make us whole. So right now as we see this, bring wholeness into our bodies. Let's take it together. Now let's hold up this cup. And I want to pray this over us. Uh, Address any shame, fear, uh, spirits that are impure. And through the blood of Christ, we dismiss all these things. We receive your forgiveness, Jesus. We say we can't fix ourselves. We dismiss our religious efforts to make ourselves clean and better. We receive what only you can do for us to bring us into God's family, which is your blood that gives us this new covenant, new relationship with God, and frees us now of all these things. In Jesus' name, let's take the cup. Okay, so here's something we're going to do today. Hey, Brian, I didn't tell you this before. Can you come up to the keyboard? I didn't, yeah. You'd get more organized. I'm just going to make quick work of this. Just hang in here for a minute. Anybody that wants to receive more of the Holy Spirit, um, can you just come stand over here and we're going to have some of our teams come and pray for you. Let's just go for it. It's like, it's not something wrong with you. It means you're hungry. Okay. So if you're like, if you stay seated, that doesn't mean anything. It just doesn't mean you're bad. Okay. But if you're like, yeah, I want more of the Holy Spirit. I want baptism of the Spirit and power in my life. Come, come over here. We're not going to do anything weird to you. Um, and we've got some prayer team. No, they're going to go around them. They're going to go around them. At least that's what I'm saying. And elders and some other folks, we're just going to come and we're just going to slowly waft our way through you. Going to be gentle. I can do anything odd to you and make you feel bad. If the Holy Spirit does something to you, I can't take credit for that or responsibility, I guess. But we're just asking, Holy Spirit, will you fill us with more? Baptize us in your Holy Spirit. Fill us with more. With the authority and power that you show us in the Jesus life. You won at the cross. You put on us as we're in Christ. Come, Holy Spirit. 
Come, Holy Spirit. And if, you, if you're seated, would you pray for these guys right now that they would have an inbreaking of the Holy Spirit right now? going to continue to pray for these guys. If any of you guys are sensing that you just want a little bit more freedom in your life, it might be some cyclical stuff. You're just having trouble beating, maybe some thought patterns that are just bugging you. Uh, Caitlin and Mike, who are sending to South Africa and Andrea, who was on staff for a long, long time. I trust these guys with my life. They're going to pray for you. No shame. This is all about the joy of living the good life. God bringing us into the good life. So if you'd like some prayer for just a little more freedom, a little more uh, uh, Holy Spirit giving you the, the, the clarity you need in your thoughts, in your body. These guys are going to pray for you. Can I have a few more elders and prayer team over here, please, as well? We bless you, Holy Spirit. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord, for what you're doing today. We bless you what you're doing among us, that you're bringing the flourishing good life to us by the Holy Spirit, by your power. Bring it, Lord. Bring it, Lord. Bring it, Lord. Some of you are going to be healed right where you're standing, right where you are right now, before even anybody gets to you. The Holy Spirit is here. He is raging with love for you. He so wants to touch us. Thank you, Lord. anybody you feel like you're in some testing right now i'd like you to come to this very center aisle you're just struggling with some testing i just we're going to pray the encouragement of the spirit over you we're just going to just do this messy keep it all going sons and daughters, your sons and daughters, your sons and daughters. I pray the spirit of adoption, the spirit of adoption over my friends. The spirit of adoption would be the voice that comments and interprets the testing, Lord. Interpret the testing by the spirit of the living God who says, you are a son, you're a daughter, you're safe with the Father. He knows what you need.
not despise it. Will you, you don't have to come up with the power to not hate it. Will you allow me to help you not despise it? Because yes, good news and new spiritual authority is coming. Good news and new spiritual authority is coming. But I will be the one to help you through. Will you rely on me? I'm going to be the one who helps you not despise this wilderness. Yeah, Jesus. So we hand it over to you. Meet us where we are. Meet us where we are. Meet us where we are, Lord. another word for our folks experiencing testing. Hey, all of you who came up because you feel like you're experiencing testing, I just really felt the, the leap of the Holy Spirit whenever Guile was asking the Spirit to interpret the testing that you're experiencing. And I just felt like He wanted, declared over you His words that He has spoken to you. My sheep hear my voice. And I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and no one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than I and no one will be able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and my Father are one. Those are His words over you and what I feel like He wants you to hold on to is the promise that you hear His voice whether you even can remember the last time you've heard it or not. You are His sheep you hear his voice and he will speak to you what you need to know when you need to know it. If he is not answering the questions you're asking right now, it's because he wants to speak to you about something else or he wants you to wait. He has something for you right now. You will hear him speak when he wants you to. I bless you to receive the promise that you are his sheep that you hear his voice, that he is better at speaking than you are at hearing. He will get through to you when he wants to in his way. Hang on. Let go maybe too. <laughs> to some of you, he may be saying, hold on, hold on to me. To some of you, he might be saying, let go and trust that you're in my hands. Thank you, Lord. Hey, we ask you, Jesus, continue to de demonstrate with authority and power the truth of your gospel in us. Demonstrate with authority and power. Now, the way we're going to close this service, we're actually not going to close it. We're going to continue ministry. But for anybody in the room who would like the Lord to empower them, to spread good news. Could you either stand or raise your hand? You want to be a good news bearer with authority and power. Raise your hand or stand now.
And I'm just going to pray scripture over you. Jesus, you said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to you. And you've commanded us to go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to follow all that you commanded us, and you're with us always to the end of the age. So, Lord, I ask now that you will fill us with power by the Holy Spirit. This is your promise. We don't have to beg. We don't have to hype anything up. We just simply ask you to give us what we need. Power to be witnesses to the good news. Power to be transformed by the good news. We can only give the good news to the degree we've received the good news. Let our lives be hopeful, joyful, not because we can fix ourselves, but because Jesus and Jesus alone can fix us. We are disasters without you. We're depressed without you. We're failing without you. But with you, we are full of the Spirit. We're sons and daughters of the King with authority in power wherever we go. So Lord, characterize us with the good news. Characterize us with the good news. Characterize us. Lord, we resist the ways of the world that rehearse what's dark, that that only sees pessimism and failure. That is not what my King says. We say we are bought into you, Jesus. Your story of what's actually going on on the earth. That you are coming and you are saving. those of you sense and it's completely good if you sense hey i'm done here that's awesome you and jesus do it and for the rest of us we're going to pray this prayer together is this being a sent prayer but anyone else who's still receiving ministry just stay there's no hurry there's no hurry i find god always moves slower than i do so just be don't be afraid to wait on him but for for the rest of us this, this is our sending prayer we pray for those who are far from god in our relational network. So let's pray this out loud together. Lord, I pray for the people in my life who are far from you. Deliver them from the evil one. Bring them into your family and help them to grow as your disciples. Amen. Be sent into the world. We'll just continue to have a soft close. If you want to talk and hang, let's do that out in the hallway uh, to just respect what's going on here. We love you guys. Have a wonderful week.